That's good. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, guys. Welcome to Sunday Service. I'm glad you guys are here um, worshiping with us. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys are uh, sitting here. Uh, and we are in a series uh, called The Life of a Disciple. And the life of a disciple is if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, these are the qualities and the qualifications of one who is uh, a member of God's family, a member of God's kingdom. Right? And so as we address these conversations, as we talk about these topics, I want us to do a really um, searching uh, uh, discernment for our own spiritual life and see, if, if I've been calling myself a follower of Jesus Christ, if I've been declaring that Jesus is my Lord, inwardly, am I really living as if I'm part of this kingdom? Am I living as if God is truly my Lord and I belong to this family? Today, we're talking about the disciple and marriage. What does a disciple and marriage look like, okay, uh, and how that plays out in the relationship? Today, I'm going to be addressing a big chunk of it to our singles, ladies and single guys. I will be addressing it to our married couples, too, towards the end. But I really want us to kind of uh, come to this conversation in regards to this. And this is going to be a good conversation. I'm going to shock you guys today. You guys ready? Right? Uh, I shock you guys every week, but I'm going to shock you guys even more this week, right? Uh, things that you won't even, like, consider or know. But we're going to look at the Word of God. Jesus speaks about this picture of relationships. So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we're going to read from verse 27 to verse uh, 30 first. Okay, verse 27 to verse 30. The qualifications of what it looks like. And my hope for you guys is this. My hope is that this message and this talk doesn't just bounce off your, uh, your ears and just kind of do your own thing. But that truly you, you, you sit and you discern and you ask yourself the question, do I have these qualifications? Do I have these characteristics right, before the Lord? All right, verse 27 to verse 30. Check this out. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. Someone has told you this is it. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See, if your right hand, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus declared in this picture, he says, you've heard that do not commit adultery. Okay? And adultery in the scripture is very simple, very clear, very black and white. It simply means sex outside the confines of marriage. Jesus says that if you commit adultery, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, I who created the laws, I who understand it, I who made this picture of sex, I tell you that if anyone looks at a woman with lust, has committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, why is that? Because of all the commandments in the Bible, like if you, if you were to kill somebody, there are qualifications for that, right? The Bible says do not kill, do not murder, right? But what if you are defending your home? And someone comes against you, and you, are, and you kill the person in the process. The Bible says there's qualifications for it. Yes, that's not a sin. But the Bible never makes qualification for sex. You guys know that? Sex, in Scripture, from the beginning to the end, was always confined to marriage. And anything outside of that, the Bible calls it adultery. 
Now, adultery is not bad because sex is seen as ugly. Because I know you guys are thinking like, PT, we're living in the 21st century. There's a little more, that, that seems very archaic. That way of thinking seems very old school, right? Adultery is not bad because Sex is seen as dirty. See, a lot of people think that sex in the Bible, or when we talk to, to, to Christians or we talk to religious people, they see sex as this dirty picture. Or sex is just merely a means for procreation, making babies. Right? If you think that, then you have never read your Bible, by the way. Because God made sex. Right? And the things that the Bible talks about sex will make you blush. Right? You don't believe me? Check this out right now. I'm going to show you four verses, one at a time. Okay? Right? Four verses, one at a time. And I'm, there's a lot of metaphors in this, so I'm going to try to give it to you in layman's term, just in case you have issues with metaphors. So put up the, 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 the verses real fast, my PowerPoint. Some of you guys are like, what is he going to say? Check this out. First one. Click. Should, oh, the first thing is, should I be single or married? This is the, the, this is the main topic, okay? So go. Oh, what happened to my thingy? Doesn't work that way? Doesn't, no? All right. Let's go one at a time. All right, one. If you guys can see it, Songs. This is in the Bible, by the way, so you can look it up if you guys don't believe me. Songs of Songs, chapter 7, verse 8 to 9. It says, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like clusters of grapes on the vine, the fragrance of your breasts like apples, and your mouth like the best wine. For you guys who are illiterate when it comes to metaphors, all right, let me give you a very clear layman's definition. He is saying, very simply, I want to climb my wife and enjoy her, right? That's literally what he's saying, right? Song of Songs is about a beloved speaking to his wife. I want to climb her and enjoy her fruits, her body, right? Now, you thought that was scandalous. Check this out. Songs 416. This is the, wife, this is the, this is the female beloved speaking. Awake, north wind, and come, south wind. Blow on my garden that its fragrance may spread everywhere. Let my beloved come into his garden and taste his choice fruits. Again, for you illiterate in terms of metaphors, okay? She is speaking very profoundly about oral sex. The garden is her, yeah, and then, you know, he says, come and enjoy it. She, she is speaking about an oral sexual encounter here, okay? You're like, what? Is that in the Bible? Look it up. You guys have your Bible in front of you, right? Songs of Songs, chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. Like an apple tree. Among the tree of the forest is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Let him lead me to the banquet hall, and let his banner over me be love. If the second one was about her receiving oral sex, the third one is about her giving oral sex, right? You're like, what? Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. Use your imagination. You see it? Yes, there it is, right? I delight to sit in the shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Let him lead to the banquet hall, and let his banner over me be loved. You're like, wow, this is Bible erotica. I never knew, right? The fourth one, Songs, songs of Songs, five, chapter, four, uh, chapter 5, verse 4 to 5. And you thought that was all bad. Check this out. My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening. My heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh. My fingers were flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt, right? If this was confusing for you, let me again give you layman's term. This is both of them enjoying or um, giving um, sexual uh, uh, pleasure to each other manually, right? Let me read it again, just because like, what? Where did I catch that? My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening, right? 
metaphors, my heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh. You're like, isn't myrrh something that they gave Jesus, right? It's metaphor, guys, right? My fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the boat. Okay? I'm not saying this to kind of like, wow, but I'm telling you. What am I telling you? I'm telling you, when Scripture speaks about sex, it's not meant to be dirty. Sex was not a dirty thing. Sex is not just simply made for the procreation of babies. God created sex in its beauty, in its entirety, for a purpose, right? And adultery destroys that, okay? Adultery is wrong because sex is a unitive act. It unites the mind, the body, the soul together. The act of sex is saying that I belong to you. When God made sex, he made it with this mechanism within it. That when two people completely naked, vulnerable to each other, engage in sex, is this saying that I give myself completely, openly, transparently to you. And you give yourself openly, completely transparent to me. We wear clothes because why? We cover ourselves. We cover ourselves because to expose ourselves is to be vulnerable, to be transparent, to be seen. And that's hard for us to understand. But in sex, it has this mechanism that the moment we engage in it, it unites two people together. Sex was always done, and it always has to be done, within the confines of marriage. Do you know why? Because in the confines of marriage, you make what we call a promise. You make what we call a promise. Because imagine if the mechanism of sex that God created was to bring two people together, to connect them together, to become one, to say everything about me is yours and everything about yours is mine. That mechanism is there to connect. And now, without the promise, you rip that apart. To have sex without the promise It's saying, I physically am here, but I emotionally have connected to you, but physically I want out. I don't want to be with you. And it does a disservice to your soul, right? Sex, what it does is it unites the souls together. It makes you want to commit. That's why sex only works in the covenant. Some of you guys say, well, that's not true, PT. I have sex a lot, right? Don't tell me that, please. But anyways, you might be thinking that. When you say, I want to have sex, but I don't want to be in a marriage with you, what you're really saying is, I want physical oneness, but I do not want to be with you actually. Imagine that. Imagine you just, and you understand this in an emotional term. Imagine you poured out your heart to somebody. You shared with them how you felt about certain things. You, 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 you were transparent about your weaknesses to them, and you gave them this truth about you. And in return, instead of receiving it and holding it, they go about and they just spread it to other people. What happens to your soul? Don't you get hardened? Don't you become less trusting? Don't you find yourself creating walls? And that's just mere words of emotion, let alone the mechanism of sex. When sex is engaged, it opens up this vulnerability between two people. I have given myself to you completely, who I am. And instead of actually receiving it and promising it never to actually do anything else with it, you take it and then you begin to spread it to other people. Because you think that sex in its act of, uh, if you see sex not as unitive but for fun, 
you begin to actually do violence to your soul. You're ripping yourself apart here, guys. This is what I'm trying to get at. You're ripping yourself apart. We don't see this often because you know why? Because it could be that you've hardened yourself so much to it. Because the more you engage in this, as time goes by and you destroy the apparatus of connection that God has made to bring that together, the more time goes by, the harder it is for your soul to become trusting. The harder it is for you to truly be transparent and vulnerable in that way. That's why even when married couples who've had a sexual past, when they come together, they're not really transparent or honest with each other to a degree. There's always something holding back because they're always afraid. What if he leaves? What if she leaves? What if they walk out? What if, the, what if like, they, they won't commit? And so better not to deal about commitment than to actually get into something. Because why? Your heart has been triggered to understand that, you know what, I don't think I can trust somebody. And that's why Jesus says eventually it leads you to the hardness of what hell is. Hell is not simply fire and brimstone and all that crazy stuff. Hell is this hardness when you exclude yourself and you become a distant shell of who you are. Instead of growing deeper in love and intimacy and connection and depth, you begin to be hardened when it comes to relationships and people. Should I marry or stay single? People ask. Here's the thing. If you have a sexual desire, right? If there is a sexual desire in you, your trajectory is marriage. Can I tell you that? There's not many people out there. Those people tell me I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. I don't think you can, right? I think the fact that you say you can be single is because you think that as long as I look at a screen long enough or I have machines or I have things to pleasure myself and kind of use that instead of a man or a woman to kind of give me my pleasure, that should be good enough. But the Bible and Jesus says that if you were to look with lust at someone, you've committed adultery because you know why? Sex was always made for the confines of marriage. Even if you use it for pornography, even if you use it for erotica, even if you use it for whatever it is that you use to get off, right? If you use sex for that, ultimately you build walls. You build the lack of trust. There is a shame, there is a guilt factor that comes into the relationship. And you don't feel like you can actually be transparent with people. You know how many guys I talk to that feel like kind of ashamed? All the time because of, of the amount of pornography they watch? How many girls feel the exact same way? Unable to trust people? Thinking, you know what, I don't need a man? See, whether it's sleeping around with people or lusting for a girl or a guy on the screen, the longer you sustain that life, the harder it is for you to trust yourself to anybody. So should I be single? There are people out there with the gift of singleness. I'm not going to lie. They're out there, right? Have I met one? Probably one. One. Honestly one, right? The rest? No. All right? And if that's the case, your trajectory is marriage. Your trajectory is marriage. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that, you know, like, I know Paul in, in the letter says that if you lust, better to be married than to lust for somebody. Paul's principle in that is not for you just to get up and marry somebody just to have sex. Okay, that's not Paul's principle there. Okay, Paul's principle in that verse is to say, if that's your trajectory, right, if you have that desire, 
If that's part of your heart, then marriage is your trajectory. Marriage is your trajectory. Okay? Go to the next, uh, go to the next two screens. Let me, let, me, let me share this with you guys. Lust makes you want women and men in general. Lust. It just makes you... Lust, lust could be a lust for... It could be lust for work. Lust is just a maximizing of whatever is going on. Okay? When the Bible connects lust to sex, what it's saying is that lust maximizes... Right? Your need and your want for women and men in general, but love. Listen, guys, love makes you want a particular man or a particular woman. Love drives you for a certain type of man and a certain type of woman, a certain qualification of man, certain quality of a woman. Lust makes you want a woman or a man in general for the pleasure. Love wants, lust wants pleasure, love wants a person. Right? When Jesus talks about sex, there is no qualifications. Sex is within the confines of marriage. Majority of our wounds, the brokenness of our families, the children that comes after us, the journey of brokenness starts usually mostly from the breaking of this. There is no qualification for The Bible never says Sex outside of marriage is a no unless you really love them, right? Never says that. The Bible never says sex outside of marriage is okay if you promise in your heart that you're going to marry them. Never says that. Sex is confined to marriage because in a marriage you've made a promise that I am completely vulnerable to you and you are completely vulnerable to me till when? Till death do us part. That is the promise. That is the promise. Otherwise, sex for fun, all you've done in sex for fun is that you have emotionally connected, spiritually connected, and then physically rip yourself apart. You have done violence to your soul. And whether you realize it or not, there is a deep psychological damage to your psyche because of it. In a spiritual way, right? So should I marry or be single? Guys, I'm not going to lie to you. Ladies, I'm not going to lie to you, right? If sexual desire is something that's part of your very being, then your trajectory is marriage, okay? You have said do not commit adultery, but I tell you that if you look at a man or a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery with her. You have brought violence to your soul. You've created a situation where it's going to actually hurt you longer in the long run. You've broken trust. You have an inability to build trust. The longer you sustain it. So if, if love makes you want a particular man or a woman, then the question that comes next, okay, is this. What kind of man or woman should I want? Right? Makes sense. I'm going to talk to the single ladies, all the single ladies, right? And I'm going to talk to all the guys, single guys. And then eventually I'm going to talk to the married couples, okay? If you're a married couple, I want you to sit there. I want you to realize, right? Like, man, how did, the fact that we even got married is probably got by the grace of God, right? We're going to talk to you guys about that. But I want, I want to, I'm going to give a lot of application for this part because I really want you guys to hear this, okay? 
In your journey of marriage, I really want you guys to hear this. And if you guys are wondering, like, uh, where the application comes from, I got, um, it's from this book by Gary Thomas called The Sacred Search. It's a great book. You check it out, right? Um, but it's, it's, it's this application of what should, what kind of man or woman should I want? Okay, now check this out. I want to dispel in this section, right, the, mo- the wrong motivations of our hearts for what you want. I want to dispel. Now, I'm not trying to say, ladies, don't misconstrue me, that I know everything that you want, okay? I'm going to speak in general principles of what ladies usually want, not to tell you, like, hey, I know exactly what you want, but to speak in general principles so that it will narrow down your scope to see what you should want. In the same way for the brothers. I'm not saying that I know everything, brothers, or what you want in a woman, right? But I'm going to speak in general principles so that it will narrow your scope to what you should want in a woman, what you should want in a man. You guys follow? All right? What kind of man or woman should I want? For you single ladies, I'll tell you the truth, ladies, okay? When wives message me to help with their husbands, it's really rarely ever about their looks or their personalities. They never say, hey, PT, can you help my husband with the way he dressed? They would never call me for that because I'm a bum, right? So that, like, that doesn't even make sense. But you know what they always call me for? Mostly about their character. Married wives, when they have issues, they always have issues to the character of their husband, not their personalities, nor their looks. Can you get him to focus on creating a spiritual atmosphere for our family? Can you get him to get up and do something with his life? Can you get him... Can you get him to stick to his job and stop jumping around? Can you get him to focus on the kids? Can you get him to church? Wives, when they have issues, majority of the time, it's not about the personality or the looks of their husbands or the sexual chemistry or the attraction to their husband. Wives, majority of the time, have an issue with the character of their husband. But you single ladies, right, rarely ever look for character first. Right? You want guys who can make you feel in love, make your heart flutter, that can charm you, that makes you feel excited. There's an adventure to them, right? There's personality to them. And when you do feel in love with them, what happens? What happens? What happens? When you do end up falling in love with them or feeling in love with them, you would excuse every character issue or overlook it. Isn't that true? PT, my husband is really selfish. Well, he was selfish before you got married, you know? Shocking, right? PT, my husband is lazy. He doesn't get up and help with on the house. Well, you did buy him that TV so he can play video games on it because you thought it was cute. Shocking, right? If only we had a group where women can get together and, you know, married women can speak to younger women about the issues, and the younger woman can ask questions of, oh, we do, we do. Women's group, oh, we have a women's group here. Yeah, married women, go to women's group. Give them your wisdom. Young ladies, go to women's group. Ask the questions, and you're going to find out real fast. You're going to find out real fast the problem. All I know, you ladies, right, with this, you, you, you'll say, yeah, PT, you know, no, of course, godliness, that's check. Of course, you got to have that. PT, of course, character, that's, that's obvious, you know. And, you know, my guy, he loves God. I mean, he believes in God one way or another. His, in his own way, he believes that there is a God, right? 
But ask yourself this. In 10 years, what kind of man do you want to be married to from now on, right? What will you desire in your man 10 years from now when you have kids or a house or sharing life together? What do you want? Most married women, okay, give these four qualities. Godliness. Good sense of humor because life is difficult. You need to laugh, right? They want them to be an involved father and have a strong work ethic. Those are the four qualities most wives, majority of wives, give about what they want in their husband. But for some reason, those qualities seem to elude the single ladies, right? Because the single ladies, you're attracted to the dreamers who has lots of plans, lots of ideas, but can't hold down a single job. And you'd rather date that guy than the dude who's willing to put in the nine to seven. Weird. Most married women want godliness, good sense of humor, to be involved, father, have a strong work ethic. But you single ladies, you'd rather want immediate sexual chemistry, some guy that makes me feel something, over a man who can keep his word and lives respect, or live a respectable life. You want a guy who makes your heart race, your sexual chemistry boil? Let me tell you guys something, right? Lust makes you want men in general. Love makes you want a particular man. What am I saying here? Single ladies, what should you want? What should you want? You should want a man of character. Most wives want a man that they can count on. Am I, am I wrong, ladies? Am I, wives, am I wrong? Right? I hope not, right? Be there for them and their kids every day and can deposit a check into the bank at least once a month, right? Most wives want that. So if you're an earnest believer, sisters, if you're an earnest believer and says that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, then what you should seek first is the kingdom of God rather than your own personal emotional desire. I have never read the Bible that says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, but... If I find a man that makes me feel emotionally connected, that's what I should seek first. I've never read that Bible before. But for some reason, all you ladies find it somehow, right? It's in the, it's in, it's in the, it's in the scripture that you're reading for somehow. I've never seen it. You should want a man that's full of spirit and wisdom, a man of character. That's what I'm saying. What kind of man or woman should I want? The ladies... Man of character for, for, for brothers. You guys ready? For brothers, right here. Very simple. It's a woman of character, right? All right, let's, not be, let's, let's be honest, right? Most guys, all guys, we're enthralled by, attracted, by, by attraction. When we look, we look, right? We're attracted to physical beauty. That's just, that's just the way our brain works. I don't know why it works that way, but that's how our brain works. We are attracted to physical beauty. And when you're married, being captivated by your wife's body it's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a great thing. But when you choose a wife, you should focus on things that's going to last. Should I, should I repeat that? <laughs> when, you, when you choose a wife, you should focus on things that will last. If you did not know, brothers, a woman's body does not beat gravity, right? Eventually... Things will droop and things will sag. We have modern miracles that can help that, but eventually things will still droop and things will still sag. A woman's body changes more rapidly than her character. Think about that. (laughs) 
think about this, okay, guys? I know some of you guys are thinking, man, but honestly, PT, I really like sex, right? And my girlfriend, she is physically all over me, right? If your girlfriend's all over you now, okay, but if you're not married, and check this out, then that in itself, her act in itself, if you have a girl like that, is a sign of selfishness on her part, right? When she wants you, her libido is high. She's enthusiastic and she initiates, right? Lust is for pleasure. Love is for a particular man. But if she loved you, if she loved you, if she genuinely cares about you, she would want what's best for you in Christ. And not place you in a place of temptation. See, if your dating relationship is sustained by sin, what will sustain your marriage? If your girlfriend acts selfishly as a girlfriend, why do you think she won't act selfishly as a wife? You're thinking, well, but I'm getting sex. You think that's going to last forever, bro? You are wrong, right? The same sin of selfishness, listen, the same sin of selfishness that moves your girlfriend to get too physical before marriage, that same selfish sin will kill or maim your sexual intimacy after marriage. She was selfish before marriage. She will be selfish after marriage. How, how, how does that work? Like, she is passionate right now. Passion doesn't last, man. After a while, she'd be like, I'm tired. I'm on my period. Like, again? I thought it was last week. It happens, right? <laughs> you think I'm joking, but it's not, right? This is real stuff here. Why do you think a person who will disobey God outside of marriage will all of a sudden obey God within the marriage? When choosing a wife, you want a woman who is choosing God's kingdom now. Righteousness now. If she isn't a mission-based woman now, while you date, what will make her a mission-based woman after the wedding? Right? And check this out, guys. Your best chance at sexual satisfaction, okay? Listen. Your best chance at sexual satisfaction is marriage, in marriage, is not to focus on appearance alone, but rather to find a woman of virtue and godly character. You're like, what? How does that help me with my sexual satisfaction? Because a woman of virtue, a woman of noble character, she has a character of generosity, kindness, understanding, forgiveness, compassion, giving. She models her life after Christ. And so you know what that means? That means that in her marriage, she will serve you. She will put your needs first. That even in days and seasons where she herself may not feel or maybe even able to have sex with you, she will offer it to you rather than you begging and pleading. Because a woman, because sexual intimacy is something that is a gift given to help and bless and love the other person too. That's the number one prayer I pray for my two sons every night since they were born. I pray that God, would you find them two women of noble character who loves you more than anything else? Brothers, you shouldn't, I'm not going to lie, you should be able to look at her, right? She should be, you know, physically attractive to you, okay? That's, that's given, okay? But at the same time, what matters and what lasts is character. Proverbs 31, a woman of noble character who fears the Lord, Right? When you find a woman like that, a woman of character, guess what, guys? Guess what? Okay? 
That's how you know. That's what you should be looking for. That's what you should be engaged to find. Right? So I know you guys are thinking this. BT, that sounds very idealistic. I don't think a guy like that exists. I don't think a girl like that exists. Completely. And you're right. Completely, it doesn't happen yet. It, it's not there, right? Completely, they're not around like that. We're not perfect people, 100%. We're not perfect people, but we are saved by a perfect God who moves us to become like his perfect son. We're not perfect people. So if that's the case, how do I find somebody? How do I even know if they're a person who's on the trajectory of character, of building and growing their character? You're not, look, listen, you're not looking for the perfect final product. You're looking for a guy, you're looking for a girl who is moving in that trajectory. Yes, get me? Because if we don't find someone of noble character, what ends up happening is that we engage sex. We engage sex outside the confines of what marriage looks like. And that only ruins the relationship and connects and, and, and breaks this, this emotional bond and the situation that happens, but it actually destroys and it does violence to your soul in the long run. So what you should want, ladies, is a man of noble character, a man of character, and brothers, what you should want is a woman of character. But how do I know? How do I know if they are even moving towards the right trajectory? Okay? And still for the singles, hang in there, right? It comes down to this. Next slide. You got to date with intention. You got to date with intention. What do I mean by that? Going to the movies, that's fun. Hiking, that's fun. Eating out, great. Vacationing, awesome, right? And all of that does create a level of affection towards people. It does. You know how I know that? Have you seen The Bachelorette? Or The Bachelor, The Bachelorette? Have you seen those? Right? My wife used to watch that religiously, you know? And as I watched, I remember, when, I think out of the whole entire, all the seasons we watched together, there's only one season when the guy actually stayed married to the woman, right? I think it was the, the year of the firefighter, right? Is that the firefighter guy? Yeah, she's like, yeah, don't talk to me, right? She's like, don't, 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 don't put me into your message, bull, right? You know why the Bash and Bash wear it? It looks so fun because what did they do? Excursions, adventure, dates, the atmosphere, it's great. And then you always hear like, I think I'm falling in love with him. I think I'm falling in love with her. And then afterwards, when they had to go home to their apartment and face real life, it's not the same. It's not the same, right? Because dating in terms of movies, bike, eating out, adventure, all that is fun. It creates an affection, but it's just playing. It's just playing with each other. Playing together doesn't tell you much about how a man could face a medical or vocational crisis. When you hang out, you take bike rides, and you look at the sunset, it doesn't tell you whether he's the type of guy who actually deals. If he lost his job, what type of guy will he be? If he lost his job, what type of man will he be? How will he face that crisis? What if he gets sick? What if she gets sick? What type of woman will she be? You can't find that out by bike riding together, watching the sunset, right? What about for women, right? If you don't date with intention, you're not going to find out what courage she has when things get tough and gets hard, right? You don't know what values each live by, what spiritual pursuit drives the other person. You got to date with intention, guys. You guys follow me? You got to date with intention to see their trajectory, 
And what is that ways in which you see that trajectory? First thing, okay? Again, a lot of application because I really want you guys to see this. I want you guys to engage in this in the right way because the relationship you create now builds the legacy for tomorrow, right? The follow wounds that you have in the past does not have to pass on if you do it well. First, find out their why in life. What drives them? What motivates them? Most relationships wither into nothingness. You guys know that? Most relationships, you ask them now, how's the marriage? Oh, same old. We get home from work, watch TV, Netflix a little bit, you know? Yeah, I'm just excited for the next vacation. Cool, you know? Same old thing. Why? Because there's no overarching mission in the couple's life. There's no, there's no vision. There's no direction. There's no grander purpose for which they live. The relationship's why is basically self-enjoyment. And so they're looking for the next big thing, the next big vacation, the next big purchase, the next big outing. See, if a woman spends far more time picking out living room furniture than she does getting to know anyone who is spiritually lost, or she is consumed with bettering her career, her job, that's not going to captivate any man for a long period of time. Or if a man spends more time obsessed on putting together his five-on-five Valorant team, right, being able to, versus being available to God, right, how could a woman not lose interest in that? Sooner or later, people grow bored if you live for yourself and no grand passion or vision. So what am I saying? On your dates, find out what drives them. Find out, do they hear from God? Is she aware of her sin? Does he have a sense of mission in his life? Can you inspire each other to become more focused on seeking God's kingdom together? Right? There's something dynamic when a man or a woman is engaged with God because God is always transforming you. Do you guys know that? If your why is God's kingdom and his righteousness, what happens to the guy and the girl that you're dating and with, they're always being transformed by God. They're always getting deeper. They're always growing more. Their kindness, their generosity, their love, their forgiveness, it gets deeper. You're finding yourself in love with a man, with a woman that's always growing into something more beautiful. But if your purpose and your why is self-enjoyment, that's all you get. There is no grand depth. There is no grand height to scale. Anyone who ever done marriage counseling with me, right, with Trisha and I, right, you guys ever go to one of their houses, I hope they have their, their frame that we, play, that we made for them, right? In that frame is their why, right? We place their why in that frame. Why do you live as a couple? Why are you married? And we write that down for them. Why? So that they can see it and look at it and remember your marriage is not for the purpose of self-enjoyment, but for the purpose of God's kingdom. Reflecting it, spiritual legacy, moving for his work. That's your why. All right? Some of you guys are like, shoot, I got to go find that frame. Where did I put it? Right? First thing, you date with intention. Find out their why. Find out their why. If their why is business, money, right, guess what? Sooner or later, you're going you're gonna to be the back burner in that relationship. Here's the second thing. When you date with intention, pay attention to them. Watch them on the date, right? Watch who they are. How do they treat their family? What's their relationship with their parents and siblings? How are they around kids? Because, you know, when you're dating someone, they always tell you what you want to hear, right? 
there's a motive, there's a reason for that because they want to impress you. So they tell you exactly what you want them, what they want to hear. I love kids. And you, and you watch them, hey, you should join SCM. And they're just like doing this to the kids. Like, oh, I love kids. Like, they don't want to touch them. You don't love kids. You're putting on a play acting, right? Or you t- talk to the guy. He's like, oh, I love museums. I go all the time. And you take him on a museum and he's watching. And after a while, he's just standing there. He's like, see him falling asleep in front of a painting. But I love museums. Sooner or later, play acting ends. Or you date a girl and she's like, I love sports. Yeah, Lakers, right? And then here it is, Lakers playoff season. You're getting your guys together and you're thinking she's going to be like with you. Like, hey, honey, I'm excited. And she's like, the guys are coming over again? Like, how many games are there, right? So what do you mean? We used to do this together all the time. Sooner or later, play acting ends. You got to watch them. The only way to see the true character of your boyfriend or girlfriend is to watch them with somebody else, not with yourself, okay? If the dude is too lazy to clean up after himself at McDonald's, right, what makes you think he won't leave his stuff around the house for someone else to pick up? Right? If you're a girl, if you're with a girl who is constantly critical and criticizing every person in authority, I almost guarantee you, brothers, she'll have a lot of criticism about you as a husband in five years. Girls, if you're around guys who does nice things for you and nobody else, the days of them doing nice things for you are about to be severely numbered. Right? The moment you're done with, or the moment you say, I do. You have to watch them. You would always say, oh, my boyfriend's so generous, but is he generous with everybody or just with you? I don't know. Pay attention. Because if it's just with you, when you get married, it's going to be done. Because why? He wants, there's something else that he wants. Right? He wants to impress you. Date with your eyes open. Get them into ministry. Get them to serve somewhere. Watch them as they serve. Right? Watch them as they go to missions, usually, right? Arizona is a great place to root out guys, you know? Take them to Arizona, oh my God, you go there and you, just, you find out real fast what kind of guy they are, you know? Complaining, it's hot, I'm over it, right? Put them in stressful situations. See how she responds, okay? Date with intention. Here's the third one, here's the last one, guys, okay? For you singles right here. You got to know their past. Now, I'm not telling you to be FBI agents here or CIA agents to look up everything about them and, like, you know, interrogate their parents, their siblings, and their friends. I'm not saying that, right? I'm saying in a dating relationship, find out who they are before they met you, right? Does she really like sports? Did he go to church? Did she do things you two are doing together now? If they didn't go to church before you, it's going to be hard to make church a priority after the wedding, Okay? If they pretend to like sports or cooking, it won't take long before the play acting ends. You're not interrogating, but you're finding out. What's their past? Are they putting on a front? Now, what I'm saying is this. I'm not, I'm not saying, like, things are impossible, things don't change. But what I'm asking is, are you looking for these characters? You're just looking for them. Are they in a trajectory towards it? Are they moving? Do they have people that's going to help them move along that trajectory and character? Do they have a community that walks with them and keep them accountable in that? You know why I always ask when people say, oh, I'm, I'm dating someone, the first two questions I ask, are they a Christian, right? And the first, do they have a job too, right? Are they a Christian, do they have a job, right? And then, do they have a community? 
I'm not saying that as, as a way of saying like, oh, I'm, I'm checklist of three things to do. I'm saying that because I want to ask and see, do they have somebody who is speaking into their life? Because if God is speaking into their life through somebody, guess what? I have the comfort of knowing that at least if anything happens, there's a conviction from God to get them to change. Because only God can change the heart. Yes? Nobody else. Are they a follower of Jesus Christ? Or do they just talk about it? Because only God can get a person to change. All right. What about married people? All right, what about married people? Let's talk about married people real fast. We're in this tonight. Go to verse 31 and 32. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress. Anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. This is the picture of faithfulness here. What about now that you're married? Right? PT, it happened. Okay, I married them. Okay, I didn't look at the character. Didn't see all of that stuff. Now I married them. What now? Or what now in my relationship? What am I supposed to do now? Right? Jesus is very clear here. If you weren't paying attention before, you're married with them, you're stuck with them, right? There is no divorce here, guys. Minus the picture of marital unfaithfulness, there is no divorce. You're committed. So the question you have to ask now is, what do we do? Let me tell you guys something. Hollywood makes you think a good marriage is something you find. I got to find a good marriage. I got to find sexual chemistry. I got to find infatuation. I got to find marriage like I find a lost cell phone. No, marriage is not something you find. Marriage is something you make. Marriage is something that you make with a person. A God-honoring, intimate, strong marriage that leads to a lifelong partnership, creates oneness, is something you make with a person, not something you find with a person. You got to make this, which means this, ladies, which means this, brothers. You might be the one in your family that's going to have to stick it out for a while. You might be the one in your family that's going to have to carry the weight of the spiritual character for a while. But you cannot for a moment allow for your husband or your wife to go into spiritual apathy. You can't make excuses for them for it. You got to keep pushing. You got to keep moving. You got to keep driving because... Otherwise, you're creating this distance between your relationship more and more. You're creating this separation that you can never share transparently, fully with another person. If Jesus Christ is your everything and you can't share him to your spouse, you can't be transparent to your spouse about this person, right? then only one or two things will happen. One, you exclude your spouse out of your spiritual life, or two, you exclude Jesus out of your relationship. Either way, you set yourself up for a trajectory of separation, distance, and ultimately, if things go worse, divorce. I got three points for you guys, right? As you think about your marriage, making your marriage question is, are you praying together? Is there a spiritual maturity that leads to first, are you praying to, is there a life of prayer? Not just in church or before meals, but are you guys praying on your own 
Is he praying on his own? Is she praying on her own? Are you pushing them? Are you encouraging them? Are you affirming them to do these things? Because listen, if not, you're going to be walking through life without the prayerful support of the person who knows you best. If he is not a person of prayer, you're going to be walking through your life without the prayer support of the one person that you are most vulnerable to or with. That means that what? If your spouse gets depressed, guess what? You're going to have to lift this person up on your own because he or she won't know how to get to God. They won't know how to turn to God. If you get depressed, you have to find another friend to support you because your husband, your wife, won't know how to in prayerful support. Are you guys praying for each other? Are you guys asking for prayer requests? See, if your husband or wife develops a bad attitude towards you, those habits will only grow stronger, guys, right? They will only grow stronger because they won't have time to allow God to convict them through prayer. <laughs> One of the things I, I, I always appreciate, because I know that when, I, when I'm wrong, and that happens a lot, when I'm wrong, right? right? If my wife wasn't a prayerful wife, okay, I would be pretty screwed in the husband department, Right? If she wasn't praying and seeking, right, for forgiveness for me, I would have done so many mistakes. But on top of that, when I do wrong, when I do wrong, if I'm not a prayerful husband, I will never apologize, right? Because pride is what takes over. But when you come to God in prayer and you bring the situation before God and you ask him, Lord, what do I do? Am I wrong in this case? It is the spirit of God that convicts the heart of us, his sons and his daughters, to say, even when, it hurt, even when it's hard, to say, I'm sorry. Are you praying together, guys? Secondly, are you guys students of the Bible? Right? Are you students of the Bible? Next slide. Are you students of the Bible? If your spouse only looks at the Bible when the pastor is reading the text... Their growth is going to be negligible, if they even have their Bibles when I'm reading the text, right? Their growth is negligible, and there's a lack of wisdom there. She won't have scripture on her mind to encourage you spiritually or feed your children spiritually, because it's not there. There's nothing up there, okay? She'll be, in her, she'll be set in her own prejudices and thinking without being washed by the word. So this is how I think of the world. This is how I view things. This is how I want things to be done. Instead of letting the word of God wash over you and say, this is what God wants for you. This is what God desires. This is what makes the world flourish. This is what actually is good, not what you feel is good. Are you guys students of the word? See, a spouse like this who is not a student of the word will never be spiritually wiser than where she or he already is. You're stuck. Grown men with the spiritual capacity of six-year-olds. Grown women with the spiritual capacity of children. Because you can't take in more of God's word because you haven't fed yourself God's word. You can't sit and listen with depth because you have not practiced to hear with depth. And so we get complaints up here on the pulpit. Message too long, right? Doesn't hit right. Make it more succinct, PT. 
I could have done that in three minutes. Right? What you just say is that you have the spiritual, emotional capacity of my son. Right? I speak to my son in three-minute intervals. I speak to men and women with God's truth. If you can't read it nor know it, that's on you and your walk with God. And if you don't have that in your life, how are you going to lead your wife? How are you going to bless your husband? How are you going to affirm your marriage? How are you going to teach your children? If you don't have the word of God moving and walking through you. Some of you guys grew up with that in your family. Bless you. You grew up in a great family. Some of you guys never had it. Right? Then start it. Start it. But here's the third one, okay? Are you part of a church community together? Why does going to church matter? Okay? Why does going to church matter? Oh, you're at home. Why does going to church matter? I don't know if anyone's watching, but why does going to church matter? A healthy church provides constant instruction. A healthy church gives you weekly times of renewal with God. A healthy church gives accountability should your spouse start to stray. Right? I tell every married couple this that I do marriage counseling with. If you cannot sit under our leadership here at TLC, go somewhere else. Go where you're willing to submit. Because I'd rather you grow as a husband, as a wife in your marriage than to sit here and be stagnant in your life. Right? I'd rather you go somewhere where God is speaking to you in such a way where you're willing to obey, willing to walk, willing to surrender, willing to commit, willing to be together, willing to bind yourself with this community so that we do what God has called us to do rather than sit there and be stuck and go through the motion of it. That you're willing to be part of a salt community, giving your life over to somebody and saying, you know what, I want you to walk with me in accountability. Can you do that? To be part of a small group that says, you know what, I want to be restored with God's word. Can you teach it to me? To be a part of a church that gives constant instructions on how we are to live as brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God. You should be part of a community like that. If TLC is not that for you, you do not offend me. You do not offend me if you walk out. does not offend me at all because my job as a pastor is not to build the amount of people in my congregation. My job as a pastor is to make sure you are shepherded with God's love, God's truth that you go out and be shepherds of God's love, God's truth to people. If you cannot do that under my shepherdness, then go somewhere else. Go somewhere else, but build into that community. Yes, Paulo? Right? That's how you keep a marriage strong under the spiritual maturity. There's a lot of other things, right? But I'm going to stop you guys because you, like, you guys look like you're about to die soon, right? But here's this, okay? <clears throat> Let me end with this. I speak all this not because I think... Um, or, or, or we're trying to confine or narrow your way of life. God has a way of speaking to us that is meant to flourish us and to strengthen us and to grow us if we're willing to obey, if we're willing to listen. When it comes to sex, when it comes to relationship, when it comes to marriage, God made that institution, guys. I didn't make it. 
The body of this didn't make it. It's God's institution. He made it for a specific reason, for a specific cause. And if you were to trust him, you will only bring flourishing to yourself. If you were to disobey him, you set yourself up for a life of more pain and more struggle than you can possibly ever imagine. And you may not feel it right away because you're young and you're strong and you're vibrant. But there will be a day where crisis comes. And if your character is not there, it will show. There will be a day when crisis comes and you hope that that guy and that girl next to you is going to be there for you. But if their character is not there, what was not there before will not be there then. Why should I trust this, P.T.? Trust this simply because Jesus Christ died for you. Trust this because Jesus, God in his love and his mercy for you said, I want to show you that I love you. That the path that I have for you is for your good. I will show it to you through my son. That I will give him for you. That's all the proof I can give. That's all, that you, that's all you have to hold on to. If God is willing to give his son for you, don't you think for a moment, don't you think for a second that what he says about adultery and sex, about divorce and faithfulness, is true? That what he wants for you is good? Here's the thing. Every day starts anew. This moment is new. As long as there's repentance before God, you can walk out of these doors a brand new person. You can walk out of these doors completely washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, forgiven. If there is repentance in your heart when it comes to this. So church, wake up. Wake up. Come before the one who wants to wash you clean, to set you right. Come before the one who wants good for you, who seeks for your flourishing, who has a plan for you. Come and repent. Come to this place. Let's pray.